Imagine you're lying on your deathbed. You're in a hospital with family and doctors all around you. The sound of machines whirring and beeping spreads throughout the room. Your breathing feels different because it's not you doing it. A ventilator fills your lungs for you. The doctors reassure your family that you'll be okay, but their faces tell a different tale. Your parents and siblings cry and take turns holding your hand, but you can't physically feel their touch. But you can feel their emotions. You experience them so intensely and with such clarity that their fears and worries don't even bother you. You feel omniscient. You are no longer in your own body. You are hovering above it, looking down at the scene. You see other family members sitting outside the waiting area. You can even see your brother, who is on an airplane on his way to see you in the hospital. Above you, a bright tunnel of light beckons you to enter it. You see a glimpse of what lies beyond the world of the living. You float towards it, until... Without warning, you open your eyes. You're back inside your body, alive. Welcome to Unexplained Mysteries, a Spotify original from Parcast. I'm your host, Molly. And I'm your host, Richard. In life, there's so much we don't know, but in this show, we don't take we don't know for an answer. Every Tuesday and Thursday, we investigate the greatest mysteries of history and life on Earth. You can find episodes of Unexplained Mysteries and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. This is our first episode on near-death experiences, also known as NDEs. On the brink of death, some people have reportedly encountered a different spiritual plane of existence. In this episode, we'll take a look at a few different accounts of near-death experiences. We'll also discuss the intersection of spiritual and scientific research in an attempt to understand what happens when we actually pass. Next time, we'll explore the science behind NDEs and examine what medical experts suspect is happening inside the body and mind. We'll also explore what it could mean for humanity if we can actually transcend death and return unscathed. We have all that and more coming up. Stay with us. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all. But it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. There's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with a personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. On February 2nd, 2006, in Hong Kong, doctors placed 46-year-old Anita Morjani in a coma. It appeared to be the end of her fight with lymphoma, a deadly form of cancer that attacks the body's immune system. Several tumors the size of lemons had spread throughout Anita's body. They started at the base of her skull, continued down her neck to her chest, under her arms, and all the way to her abdomen. Before the coma, Anita was unable to lay down on her own. Liquid filled her lungs. Her muscles had completely deteriorated. She only weighed 85 pounds. Covered with oozing lesions from head to toe, Anita could no longer digest food or walk. She had a persistent low-grade fever and couldn't breathe without supplemental oxygen. After being ravaged by the disease for four years, Anita's organs had begun to shut down for good. The doctors reportedly told her husband, Danny, Your wife's heart may still be beating, but she's not really in there. It's too late to save her. But against medical recommendations, Danny pushed to keep Anita alive. And his insistence paid off. After being comatose for 30 hours, she woke up. And to the shock of both the hospital staff and her entire family, Anita started to recover. Her body fought the cancer harder than ever before. It was as if she'd been imbued with supernatural healing powers. Within four days, Anita's cancerous tumors shrunk by 70%. Within five weeks, she was cancer-free. She attributed her apparent medical miracle to an out-of-body experience she had during her 30-hour coma. In her 2012 memoir, Dying to Be Me, Anita Morjani described how, when she went into a coma, she drifted to another plane of existence. Though acutely aware of her physical surroundings, she could now view herself lying limp on the hospital bed, as if she was a visitor. Her body didn't feel hers anymore. She felt an overwhelming sense of bliss. But at the same time, she could feel the emotions of everyone around her as if they were her own. She experienced her family's fear, anxiety, and despair. Anita even began to tune into the emotions of people who weren't in the hospital room, like her brother, who was on his way from India. In addition to these emotional waves, two deceased family members revealed themselves to Anita as she floated in the liminal space between life and death. The first was her father, who had died 10 years earlier. The second was her best friend, Sonny, who had succumbed to cancer three years prior. They allegedly told her that she needed to return to her body to live her life fearlessly. Though Anita's story sounds miraculous, her account is fairly typical for those who report near-death experiences. 
Many claim to have out-of-body experiences in which their soul detaches from their physical body and floats above the room. They also commonly become acutely aware of everything going on around them, including the emotions of other people in the room. Sometimes this hyperactive empathy transcends to people who aren't even there, like Anita's mother and brother. Others may see a tunnel of light, which they often interpret as a passageway between this life and the next. For years, different cultures have claimed NDEs as proof that there is an afterlife. The oldest medical description of a near-death experience dates back to sometime around the year 1740. Pierre-Jean Dumanchot, a military physician, wrote about one man's case in his book Medicine Anecdotes. Manchot described a patient who temporarily fell unconscious from his wounds. Later, when he came to, he reported an incredible vision. He saw a bright light so vivid that he believed he'd traveled to heaven. Although this was the earliest account of an NDE made by a doctor, it was by no means the first ever recorded. Humans have actually been writing about near-death experiences for over 2,000 years. Plato, the famed Greek philosopher, is credited with writing the oldest account in Western literature. His story, The Myth of Air, appeared in his book Republic, published around 380 BCE. It tells the tale of a man named Er who died in battle. Ten days after his death, Er's body was found intact and fully preserved, seemingly untouched by the process of decomposition. Two days later, after his funeral pyre was set alight, Er woke up, surrounded by flames, frightened, confused, and in shock. When safely removed from the fire, he told everyone about the incredible experience he had while suspected dead. Er claimed that he was transported to an indescribable paradise, along with several other souls. He and these fellow spirits met a panel of judges who ultimately decided their fate. Those who had lived virtuous lives were sent up into the sky, and those who lived treacherous lives were sent below the earth. But the judges told Ur to stay put, listen, and observe. For whatever reason, they wanted to send him back to Earth so he could relay his experience to the rest of humanity, to let them know that morality is rewarded in the afterlife and cruelty is punished. The myth of Ur influenced religious thought for centuries after it was published. It arguably helped shape humans' modern conception of heaven and hell. Similar examples of the afterlife appear in several religious texts published after Plato's Republic, including the New Testament, the Quran, and the Tibetan Book of the Dead. In the New Testament, the Book of Revelation speaks of Judgment Day, when God will decide who goes to heaven and who goes to hell. The Quran includes descriptions of the Day of Resurrection, when the righteous will enter Jannah, or paradise, and the wicked will enter Jahannam, a destination similar to hell. The Tibetan Book of the Dead states that when a person dies, they are reincarnated or sent back to earth in a new body. But if they've achieved nirvana, the ultimate state of peace and enlightenment, then their soul remains in the hereafter. 
For years, NDE accounts have lent credence to the idea that there is an afterlife, which many find reassuring, even those who don't subscribe to religion. But there are skeptics who believe that near-death experiences are nothing more than inventions of the human imagination. But that doesn't explain why some people who report NDEs wake up with information they couldn't possibly have known. Unless they were telling the truth about their journey to another dimension. In the Journal of Near-Death Studies, psychiatrist Brian Weiss wrote about an elderly woman who had an NDE in the year 2000. According to her, one second she was lying in her hospital bed, the next she was floating above her body. Though she didn't know it, she was in cardiac arrest. Her heart had stopped beating. She watched as the doctors rushed to revive her. And as they did, one doctor accidentally dropped a pen, which rolled to the window, near where her soul was floating. She watched as the man bent over to pick up the pen and place it back in his pocket. He then returned to help resuscitate the woman, thumping on her chest and pumping air into her lungs. Eventually, the medical team's efforts paid off. She survived. Days after, the woman told her doctor about what she'd seen and experienced during her cardiac arrest. Initially, he told her that she'd likely been hallucinating. After all, her heart had stopped. There was no oxygen traveling to her brain. But when the woman described in great detail the doctor losing his pen, he couldn't believe it. He was in shock, and not only because he knew she was unconscious. The woman was also blind. Perhaps her story is proof that NDEs are real, unexplainable phenomena linked to the afterlife, as many believe. But NDEs haven't only remained the arena of spiritual practitioners. Scientists and medical experts have also studied the phenomena. In fact, one man's NDE even led to a revolutionary breakthrough in medicine. Coming up, how NDEs changed standard medical procedure. Listeners, this month marks 60 years since John F. Kennedy became the 35th president of the United States, ushering his already prominent family into the highest enclaves of political power. But behind their storied successes lie secrets and scandals so severe, if it were any other lineage, they would have been left in ruin. This January, to commemorate this iconic milestone, dig into the dramas of a real-life American dynasty in the Spotify original from Parcast, The Kennedys. Crime, history, mystery. This exclusive series from Spotify features your favorite Parcast hosts, including me, examining one of the world's most formidable families from all angles. Whether it's assassinations and conspiracies, corruption and cover-ups, international affairs, and extramarital ones, too, discover all of the Kennedy family's most controversial moments, all in one place. You can binge all 12 episodes of this limited series starting on Tuesday, January 19th. Follow The Kennedys free and exclusively on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all. But it doesn't have to be. 
With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. Now back to the story. 56-year-old Joe Tiralosi worked as a chauffeur driving around the bustling streets of Manhattan. One afternoon in August 2009, he pulled out of a car wash and felt a rush of warmth course through his body. Without warning, he couldn't breathe. His body was overheating. First, Joe put his car's air conditioner on full blast. But when his sweating became unbearable, he called his wife in a panic. She told him to check into an emergency room immediately. She called one of his co-workers to help. The man found Joe pulled over on the corner of 80th Street and 2nd Avenue, unable to drive. He took Joe to the ER. Shortly after arriving, Joe lost consciousness and the medical team sounded a code blue. He'd gone into cardiac arrest. His heart stopped beating. At the time, when most doctors tried to resuscitate a patient, they'd use 10 minutes as a marker to determine success or failure. If they couldn't bring a patient back after that, the chances for irreparable brain damage were incredibly high. Even if they survived, there would be significant long-term effects. Luckily, Joe arrived at New York Presbyterian Hospital, which had a team of resuscitation experts on hand. They immediately tore off his clothes and started performing CPR. To lower his body temperature, they loaded plastic bags with ice and laid them along his sides, under his armpits and by his neck. Then, they injected chilled saline into his veins and settled into a rhythm of adrenaline injections, defibrillator shocks, and chest compressions. They worked well beyond the 10-minute mark. After 40 minutes, they detected a faint heartbeat. Joe was alive. But he wasn't out of the woods yet. Doctors still didn't know what caused his cardiac arrest. And shortly after his pulse returned, his heart stopped again. After another 15 minutes of resuscitation attempts, Joe's heart restarted for the second and final time. Doctors later learned that Joe had several blockages in the blood vessels leading to his heart. When the heart stops pumping blood, oxygen ceases to flow to the brain. This lack of blood flow quickly causes cell deterioration. Lining Joe's body with ice slowed his cellular breakdown and helped save his life. After his second resuscitation, doctors placed Joe on a ventilator and induced a coma. They repaired his blood vessels by inflating tiny balloons inside of them to allow for more blood flow and to eliminate blockages. They then implanted stents in the vessels to maintain the new, wider passageway. When Joe finally regained consciousness, he had an incredible story to share. While the doctors were cooling him down and working furiously to save his life, he'd apparently met a spiritual being of no conceivable shape or size. According to him, the entity was made of pure love and compassion. Its presence enveloped him in warmth while doctors worked to save his life. Joe's NDE had a profound effect on his life. Convinced that he had encountered proof of an afterlife, he no longer feared death. 
Joe's incredible story has taught many in the field of medicine that the line between life and death is more flexible than they initially thought. He was clinically dead for 40 minutes, far longer than many thought was possible. Thanks to the team at New York Presbyterian Hospital, we now know that more can be done to resuscitate patients who fall into cardiac arrest. And their methods have become common practice in the medical field. Doctors have now successfully staved off death for hundreds of patients who might have otherwise been presumed dead or past the point of no return. Joe is still living today, happily spending time with his wife and two children. But his miraculous recovery raised an important question. When is the exact moment in time where death becomes irreversible? It's an important question, but a difficult one to find answers to. Because NDEs happen so rarely and so unexpectedly, it's nearly impossible to monitor them. And researchers have run into ethical dilemmas as well. The majority of people who report NDEs are dying and unresponsive. Naturally, if someone is unconscious, they can't consent to participate in a scientific study. In order to control an experiment, researchers would have to intentionally bring a person to the brink of death just to find out what happens. The margin of error is incredibly thin and, for most, not worth the risk. This is why some scientists have turned to alternative methods of pushing the human body to its limits, searching for other triggers that may induce an NDE. And they found one promising candidate, transcendental meditation. In certain forms of Buddhism, meditative techniques are said to help spiritual practitioners prepare for dying. The methods are meant to imitate the phases of human consciousness experienced both during and after death. For example, according to the Tibetan Book of the Dead, when you die, you follow eight steps on the path to the afterlife. The first stage of death is called the dissolution of earth. In it, you may experience weakness, fatigue, and clouded vision. Second, the dissolution of water. Your mouth becomes dry and your body ceases to produce blood, sweat, and urine. Third, the dissolution of fire. You begin to feel coldness creeping throughout your extremities. Fourth, the dissolution of wind. You are no longer able to perform physical actions. You lose your awareness of all external events. In the final three phases, you lose the ability to move or breathe. Your heartbeat stops, and you stop forming memories. Now, Tibetan Buddhists believe that humans are still conscious after losing these functions. And some believe, through meditation, they can approximate these phases of death without the risk of actually dying. To many, the idea of experiencing death, even safely through meditation, is terrifying. But as Buddha once reportedly told his students, Of all the footprints, that of the elephant is supreme. Similarly, of all mindfulness meditation, that on death is supreme. He believed that if people could fully understand the journey to death, it would help us comprehend life's impermanence and prepare us for our inevitable end. Experiencing death in life by definition may seem implausible, if not impossible. 
However, in 2018, the University of Derby in England conducted a study on meditation-induced near-death experiences. Twelve practitioners brought themselves to a state of unconsciousness that researchers believed were comparable to a naturally occurring NDE. Many reported having an out-of-body experience, seeing a tunnel of light, or meeting some form of omniscient entity. Others claimed to speak with deceased relatives. Though they claimed to lose their sense of time while meditating, most stated that they made the conscious decision to return to their bodies. Of course, the results of these experiments are difficult to quantify. Researchers can only monitor physical reactions like heart rate and blood pressure. They have no way to quantify or corroborate what participants see or sense. Like all other NDE accounts, researchers had to rely on human memory, a notoriously fallible source. However, because subjects are able to return to a meditatively induced NDE more than once, researchers are able to observe patterns. For example, they can determine what, if anything, links those who report seeing a light at the end of the tunnel as opposed to an out-of-body experience. So while we may not be able to understand what's actually happening in the mind or verify that souls exist and can travel to other dimensions, our understanding is still evolving with new research. And no matter what the truth is, trying to understand death as opposed to ignoring it can be a healing experience. People who have experienced an NDE often report being changed forever. Coming up, do NDEs unlock supernatural powers? eBay Motors is here for the ride. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. Now back to the story. Near-death experiences have changed the way some people think about spirituality. They've led to medical breakthroughs, and they've redefined how humans view mortality. Most survivors claim that their NDE changed them forever, but some reported side effects that were downright supernatural. For example, a number of people have claimed that when they returned from the brink of death, they suddenly had extrasensory perception, or ESP, the ability to receive and transmit information without using the traditional five senses. Others have alleged that they could use psychokinesis, meaning they could move objects with their mind. Still others reported a sensitivity to electricity so strong that they could control electromagnetic impulses. For example, they could change television channels without the use of a remote control, stop watches, or rewind tape recorders. Going about their day, light bulbs would pop, computers would suddenly lose memory, microphones would spontaneously emit feedback. As we mentioned, one of the most common symptoms of an NDE is an out-of-body experience, which implies that a person's ghost or spirit can float through space 
detached from its earthly form. Maybe once you open the door to the other side, you can never fully shut it again. And these NDE survivors have brought back a piece of the spiritual realm with them. Of course, these claims have been met with skepticism from those who believe that NDEs are, by and large, fabricated. But reports of paranormal powers are few and far between. However, almost every NDE survivor noticed some sort of physiological changes to the way their minds and bodies work. Many could no longer tolerate loud music or noises and reported experiencing a severe sensitivity to light. It's also common for NDE survivors to struggle with linear focus and sequential problem solving. Now, this is likely linked to the physical trauma that often causes NDEs. Dying, even if only in the clinical sense, takes an enormous toll on the brain and body. In the case of Anita Morjani, a shift in her focus turned her life upside down. After waking up from her coma and surviving cancer, she struggled to find her place in the world. She managed to rebuild her strength with physical therapy, but her perspective on life changed. She felt as though she didn't belong anymore. She didn't value the same things that others did anymore. In her opinion, most people seemed caught up in their daily routines. They only focused their minds on whatever it was they had to do next. They couldn't see the bigger picture. But Anita felt that she had moved beyond that way of thinking. She couldn't engage in small talk. She lost all interest in politics and world news. And yet, she now found the sun setting over the horizon riveting, like the most beautiful film she'd ever seen. Every time she ate ice cream, it was as if she'd never tasted something so delicious in her life. She felt like she was experiencing loveliness for the first time and believed she could now see the divinity in everything around her. According to her, she found magic again, all thanks to her NDE. Now, Dr. T.K. Chan, an oncologist and one of the doctors who treated Anita on the day of her alleged NDE, attributed her remarkable recovery to chemotherapy, not to her spiritual brush with death. According to Dr. Chan, lymphoma is one of the most curable forms of cancer because it often has a dramatic response to chemotherapy. Anita had refused chemotherapy for three and a half years. The day she finally accepted treatment was the day of her NDE. Dr. Chan also mentioned that they drained all the liquid from her lungs that day, which likely contributed to her miraculous recovery. Though he doesn't discount her spiritual experience, he's more willing to give credit to modern medicine for saving her life. But not all medical experts are on the same page. Dr. Peter Koh, an oncologist who saw Anita months after her recovery, has stated that he has trouble referring to Anita's NDE as a miracle. But he does consider the whole event rather unique. While chemotherapy works well against lymphoma, Dr. Koh believes that chemotherapy alone could not have caused such a dramatic recovery. In fact, he says the treatment likely could have been toxic to Anita's failing organs and killed her. Dr. Koh told the South China Morning Post, Either her mind or body was able to send a message to the cancer cells to turn off the mutated genes. 
Chemotherapy does work well with Hodgkin's, but I've never seen it work like this. In a case of life or death where anything can tip the scales, maybe a spiritual experience can really save a dying patient. Whatever the case, there are too many well-documented NDEs for medical professionals to ignore. And the similarities between the reports are striking. And the similarity in accounts could point to two things. First, they could be the result of a person's brain going through the natural phases of death. For example, cerebral hypoxia, a lack of oxygen to the brain, is known to cause cellular death, memory loss, and hallucinations. Or they're proof that we are more than our bodies. Our minds or our souls or our spirits, whatever name you prefer, survives on past our flesh, and there really is life after death. Thanks again for tuning in to Unexplained Mysteries. Next time, we'll discover why some doctors and scientists do not believe that near-death experiences are a window into another world, and also how true believers might be able to convince the skeptics once and for all. We will be back on Thursday with part two of Near-Death Experiences. For more information on NDEs, amongst the many sources we used, we found Anita Morjani's book, Dying to Be Me and Erasing Death by Sam Parnia, MD, extremely helpful to our research. You can find all episodes of Unexplained Mysteries and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. See you next time. And remember, never take we don't know for an answer. Unexplained Mysteries is a Spotify original from Parcast. It is executive produced by Max and Ron Cutler, sound designed by Dick Schroeder, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Carly Madden, and Travis Clark. This episode of Unexplained Mysteries was written by Matt McGregor, with writing assistance by Molly Quinlan and Connor Sampson, fact-checking by Cara Mackerline, and research by Brad Klein and Brian Petrus. Unexplained Mysteries stars Molly Brandenburg and Richard Rossner. Fact, fiction, fame. Discover the real story behind one of history's most formidable families in the Spotify original from Parcast, The Kennedys. Remember, you can binge all 12 episodes starting on Tuesday, January 19th. Listen free and exclusively on Spotify.